Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. And hello, friends. I'm Julie Bender. Well, this episode, we're going to talk about our faith a little bit, Julie. And I went to the internet to look up funny things about our faith. Well, either we're not funny or we really are not very nice. Take your pick. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I like that you landed on going for church signs that were collected on the internet. Some of the best ones out there. You've probably seen this one, although I can guarantee you haven't seen them all. Honk if you love Jesus. Text and drive if you want to meet him. That's a little foreboding, but kind of truthful. I mean, isn't accurate, it? right? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> okay, God didn't create anything without a purpose, but mosquitoes do come close. I mean, I like that that one has a little bit of sass. It does. It's like no outdoor events at this church. <laughs> Okay, I really felt like this one was on point. Adam and Eve were the first people to not read the Apple Terms and Conditions. And there have been many of us since. But do you know it wasn't necessarily an apple that they ate? What do you mean? Well, the Bible just says fruit. I don't know why we thought it was an apple. I don't know that I've ever considered it that it might be another fruit. I okay. feel I, like I could spend a lot of time spiraling out of control on whether or not it was a fruit. So I, I think we should go on. What? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Well, isn't that just precious? It is. Do you put things on the fridge? No. My husband wanted to get a stainless steel refrigerator just so you couldn't really use magnets on them. They won't stick. Now, maybe they made them since they started. I'm like, mine does. Well, uh, they changed it for all I the mothers I think he just told you that so that you wouldn't try to put something on there. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> uh, okay, this one's cute. Tweet others like you would want to be tweeted. Oh, that's kind of profound, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, looking for Mr. Wright. This is his house. Wow. I mean, okay, you think Julie's that was up like, in February or something? That's definitely <laughs> like a... I don't know. That's a little cheesy. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot cheesy. Okay, here's one. Acting perfect in church is like dressing up for an x-ray. That's what That was kind of profound, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. Okay, don't give up. Moses was once a basket case. I mean, that one's pretty funny. It is. I, I, I genuinely enjoyed that one and have never seen it before. And last but not least... God wants full custody, not just weekend visits. I love that one. Mm -hmm. Church signs don't tell us the whole story about our faith, but often remind us how dear it really is. I mean, ultimately, we would say that our faith is the anchor of our lives. And, you know, the story of our experience with Jesus from when we first met him to today is, is a long one. You know, it's a winding road. There's highs and lows, and certainly there's not been perfection. In fact, that's kind of the point. It is the point. And anyone who tells you differently is flat out lying because if your journey with God is a complicated one and a wonderful one. 
in light of the movements that have started, many have heard about the Asbury experience and it's gone to other universities and the Jesus Revolution movie, we feel like there may be something special going on that God is doing. And in that, we wanted to talk a little bit about our faith journey, where it began, how it's gone along the way, and what it looks like now. I'm curious. Tell me a little bit about your experience watching the Jesus Revolution movie. Uh, so here's the deal. I don't watch commercials. I I watch either, you know, like a Netflix show that doesn't have them or DVR things. And so I didn't know about it until it was too late for the previewing, which it sounds like you made it to. Well, I made it in the first weekend. My husband <laughs> is big on box office. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> He's like, let's help it. Let's go buy our two tickets. Okay. Um, for me, Julie, it was like reliving my life. Mm. It was a reminder of what happened in my heart. Now, by saying this, I'm aging myself. I'm kind of admitting that I'm in this demographic. But mm -hmm. you know what? It was such a precious reminder of where I came from and what happened in my life um, that it, it, it's worth saying, this is really how old I am. <laughs> My journey began in the church. I was a child that grew up in the church that went to, I think I've said it before, a G-A-R-B-C church, which is General Association of Regular Baptists. I'm now remembering this, but I mean, is that still a thing? I've never heard anyone else talk about that. Yeah, I think it still exists, but you, you know me, Julie, pretty well. Regular was nothing I ever wanted to be <laughs> in any part of my life. And it was, you know, it was kind of a, the people were precious, I'm sure, in hindsight, but the pastor from the platform would speak against my friends who we were hanging out at the court square because it was a little town in Indiana. What else did you do? You went to the Dairy Queen or the court square or the woods to party. Mm -hmm. Those were our options. And so they were my friends. That was my world. And he was talking about how bad they were, and how far away we should live from them. And I'm like, I'd rather live with them than you guys. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. So kind of like a hellfire brimstone, we would maybe kind of describe it as, you know, more doomsday, you know, judgment style messages. A lot of rules. Yeah. You know, our faith was based on a lot of rules. The church didn't want us to dance or smoke or drink or play cards for that matter. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of rules and the way you should dress and the way you should act, which that's, that's not our faith. Our yeah. faith is not rules. Our faith is relationship. So when the Jesus movement started, I realized there were people who thought like me, acted like me, wanted to live like me, that all of a sudden loved Jesus. And he looked fresh to me at that point mm -hmm. for the first time. So I decided that was the road I was going to take. So about how old were you when you chose to follow Jesus? Uh, I was in my late teens through 20s, but the reality is I, I, I was really good at keeping feet in both camps for a while. And I think we need to realize a lot of people are, and God knows that too. I would go sometimes on the weekend and, you know, go to the lake with my friends and we would get high. And then I would go to this place I found called the Adam's Apple, where there was Christian music and a bunch of hippies and all of that, Interesting. you know, the next day. They thought it was an apple, too. <laughs> they <Okay>. did, too. <laughs> you were so right. That's what it was. Um, but it was like I could relate to both worlds. Mm -hmm. So I kept swinging back and forth until finally I went, this is not working well because 
I am partying too much and I'm not really committed, mm. which is for me when I joined a Christian commune. So you went all the way, all and the way I, in. If like I'm going to do anything, I do it well. <laughs> so that, that was kind of my beginning journey. And I know, Julie, yours was very different than that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've talked at length here, so I won't go into all the details of, you know, kind of the sad beginnings of my childhood. But when I first landed in church, um, it was a little Methodist church that's still in existence today. And I have a lot of fond memories of the people and of the teachings there. Um, but looking back, like you said, hindsight is definitely 2020. Um, I can see that kind of what was led with there was more relationship and it wasn't necessarily a relationship with God. It was more relationship with others in the church. And so for me, I really, um, benefited from the family atmosphere of that church body. And maybe it's because I didn't have that at home. That's, that's more what I was seeking. Um, but I do recall at a young age feeling safe at church, feeling, you know, loved, feeling connected. And all of those things were very, very important to me. I don't remember getting a lot of teachings about Jesus being essential for my faith. Um, I do think that I was taught about Jesus, but I don't know that I would have been able to really articulate that he died on the cross and that that was necessary, uh, for me to have a right relationship with God, but very much, um, that church home was the stability of my times in my growing up years for sure. Oh, I love that actually, Julie, because we forget sometimes that this faith that we have is a journey. So God was taking what you needed family to start drawing you to him. I I could look back and I I do often look back and say, even when I didn't fully understand all that there was to being a Christian, I could tell that God was um, present in my life and that he purposefully put people around me to make me feel loved. And, And like you're saying, like maybe just there was that immaturity or just because everything was so tragic at home, maybe I couldn't even really comprehend much more than my church family was a safe, loving place for me. So what was the next step in going from this family matters to me to Jesus matters to me? Well, I mean, there were a lot of puppets and potlucks. I just want to throw that in there because because it's the one thing that I really do miss in my church life today. And I just (laughs) hope that maybe one of my pastors will hear this and they will not. And that's okay. But, um, because that church life was so important to me, I mean, I went youth group every Sunday, any, you know, any special services. Um, so I spent a lot of time at church when it was time to graduate, high school, you know, that's when you have to leave youth group. You got to get out. So I remember being like, okay, well, but now where do I have my social life? So I was going to college and I figured, well, maybe there's something in college that's kind of like the youth group equivalent. And so I went to FGCU, Dunk City, um, and FGCU, <laughs> For those of you who yeah, don't know, who yeah. are not familiar that one time we made it all the way to, uh, March Madness. Um, the tournament, I think. I don't even know what it's called because that's how unknowledgeable I am except for the one time our team played. Um, (laughs) But I was at FGCU and it was a much smaller, you know, state university, um, kind of the local university. So it was kind of considered lame that I stayed in my hometown to go there. To be honest, part of the reason I stayed is because the people in my home church 
I wasn't going to have to leave them. They had become such a big part of my life. I, I didn't feel safe with the idea of moving away and having no one. Of course. Um, so I, at first I thought I'll just keep going to church here and then I'll go to school there. And when I got to school, I was invited to a Bible study and I was like, okay, I guess that's youth group for college. So I <laughs> went to the Bible study and I was like, oh, they're actually going to read the Bible. <laughs> it's not just a, a church yeah, gathering because sure. my youth group time, I, I don't really remember ever learning faith stuff at youth group. It was definitely social hour for me. Um, so here I was in a Bible study with people my age. It was definitely peer led. And these people seem to be really interested in knowing God through the Bible, which was literally completely different for me. And I was immediately interested in understanding more about this faith that I recognized was an important part of my life. Mm. Do you know what's amazing to me is I grew up with Bible drills. I grew up with memory verses and you got awards and you got, yeah. you did competitions. And so the Bible was drilled literally mm -hmm. into me, but it did not change my heart. Yeah. And you, on the other hand, weren't familiar with the Bible, but God was changing your heart. I think part of our story is the big story and that God doesn't have one route for anyone to find him and to know him and to love him. For sure. So I basically just started hanging out with those people who seemed to, this is what I noticed was really different. These people that I had met at college, it seemed like their faith was a part of every part of their life and not just, you know, where they had their social experience. You know, there, for me, church was a safe place to have social interactions and to make sure that I was continuing on a good, safe path that would prevent me from repeating my mom's mistakes. That was my entire life's goal was to not turn out like my mom. God bless her. And so then when I got here, I'm like, oh, these people seem to love God and care about him every day, not just Wednesday, Sunday. Yeah. And so that was really um, new and refreshing and exciting for me. I just remember college being such a pivotal time in deepening and understanding my faith so much more. So once we both made a commitment to Christ, our life was perfect and we had it all figured out, right? Exactly. The end. <laughs> You know, not at all. Um, you know, I did, as I mentioned, I did swing from one direction to the other and joined a commune. But what I can tell you about that season in life, the good part was I learned the Bible. Hmm. I didn't just memorize verses. I studied hmm. every single day. It was like my Bible college. But at the same time, we thought we were really smart. We <laughs> were really young we were really all about, um, we know the Bible, we stand for God. And we went from sinners saved by grace coming out of the world that we came to look at us. We're really smart and self-righteous. And, it, you know, you, I look back and go, you were like 20 years old and you thought you were so daggone smart, <laughs> but I really wasn't. I just traded one sin for another. I traded partying for pride. Hmm. And I had to leave that to then find my next balance. It's funny that you say that because I feel like I went from, you know, kind of that new and exciting and 
learning about the Bible. And I did because I was like swooped quickly up into leadership in that ministry. I quickly was given a position, right. And, um, opportunity to use some of my God given talents and gifts. And so I quickly got to a place where I was recognized and I was given, you know, kind of some of, some of that I've been searching my whole childhood, you know, wanting somebody to say, good job, Julie, Oh yeah, you're doing a good job. And I started to get that in ministry. And so I can look back at my 20 something college years and realize that I too got kind of prideful on what I, what I was learning about faith and how much I was growing and how quickly I was growing. And I do believe that I was, Mm -hmm. but there was certainly a period of, you know, kind of puffing myself up. And the Bible actually talks about that that doesn't do anything for God or for furthering, you know, our faith for other people to come to Jesus. And so I can certainly relate to that experience as well. Well, and I think what inevitably happens next is life. You know, life has a way of grounding us, making us merciful and making us compassionate. So, you know, when I left the commune and when a couple other legs of my journey, I started dealing with real life. I started dealing with people's problems, including my own, with heartbreak and disappointment. It was in that season I lost my father to suicide mm-hmm. and, you know, was alone and very lonely. And he was in my family. He was my anchor. And so, you know, you go from thinking, I got it all figured out. I've read the Bible. I've studied it. Now mm-hmm. I know everything to... I don't know everything. My dependence is not on my knowledge or my understanding. It's on the Savior who brought me to this place in the first place. When that happened, did your faith struggle? Did you question whether or not God really was real and if what you believed was true? I I questioned more why my father, who had been a deacon in in the church, He had been the song leader, which is what they called them before they were worship leaders. Um, He had been prominent in his faith. I questioned why. Why did he get so despondent that he had no hope? That he had no real reason he thought he should continue living. In fact, he thought we would be better without him. And I didn't understand that. Yeah. Because he should have been different than that. And that led me to understand all of us are that. All of us can get to that place. To think you've got faith worked out to where you will never be anxious or depressed or feel the lowest of low is really false. Mm -hmm. It's not true. The best people can hit the lowest place. And I think for me... beside that and being very angry with him that he was not going to be a part of my life. I had a lot of emotions to work through, but it wasn't that I didn't think God was there. I just sometimes didn't know how he would heal the hole in my heart. Gotcha. I remember, um, just in case someone has been through the pain of losing somebody to suicide, I remember, didn't your pastor say something at your dad's funeral that has stayed with you to today? Would you share that again? Oh, it was the best thing in the world. He said, Don't mistake the man for the moment Hmm. because you can look at that moment in time and think that's all of who he was. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it was, it was literally a moment in time. And 
that probably comforted me more than anything. Yeah, yeah for sure. I appreciate you resharing that. Um, I, I know you kind of joked a little bit ago that, you know, okay, we come to faith and then everything's perfect. And obviously that's a really huge example of how it couldn't be further from the truth at times in our lives. And I went from, you know, the high of college life and, you know, literally I can look back and be like, oh, it really was the very best time. I mean, I would, I would literally spend an hour and sometimes two hours with my coffee and Bible. I mean, that's when that started for me. I mean, I would have a whole pot of coffee. This was before Keurig <laughs> and certainly before Nespresso. So you read the, the Bible really fast. I would literally <laughs> drink a whole pot of coffee until somebody was like, by the way, that's not good for you. And I was like, really? But it's so easy. Um, I mean, look who I'm talking to about that now. Yeah. But you're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's I don't totally have a problem fine. with it. <laughs> and, and then, like you said, real life, you know, I ended up getting married to my late husband and then, you know, ended up in ministry, uh, working in vocational ministry. And then here I was, you know, trying to represent God well through my work and through my wifing. And that had a whole slew of challenges, which has been discussed at length here as well. And so we all can think through experiences and seasons of our life where our faith was tested, um, but hopefully those of us who are walking with Jesus, we can also look back and see, even though that was a hard time, I can recognize where God was in the midst of those struggles and that he did sustain me and he did protect me and he did stay near to me and he did teach me through those things. Well, and I can tell you this, the hole that was created when I lost my daddy has healed. Mm -hmm. I can't say to you it doesn't still make me sad mm -hmm. and this you know a bunch of years later father's day still affects mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. because i miss him yeah um but i can say the healing took place god restored my heart and took away my grief and left me with the tender memories of a man that i love dearly mm -hmm. speaking of tender moments i kind of feel like the the next step and where this conversation needs to go is understanding and clearly stating what it actually means to say, I want to go break into song here. I have decided <laughs> to follow Jesus. I'm going to applaud now. Good job. <laughs> well, last night uh, Lincoln was praying before bed and I've noticed in his prayers lately. And I, I think it's because he's trying to learn this lesson, but he's saying often Thank you, Jesus, for coming and living perfectly because we can't. And and it's because, you know, my chatty little boy, he gets in a lot of trouble. And it's it's innocent trouble, uh -huh. if that's even a thing. It is. It's literally that he talks too much. You know, we talk a lot about this is why we need Jesus, because we cannot be perfect. Um, and so I love that I'm hearing him say that in his prayers because he's understanding the ultimate base problem of humanity and the ultimate solution as well. And so just in case you're not quite clear what we say, what we're saying and what we mean when we say I follow Jesus or I'm a Christian, um, because America, at least in years past, it was supposedly a Christian nation, right? Everyone would probably identify on some level as having a faith in God, but do we believe in the one true God of the Bible who sent his son Jesus? And that's where, where the difference is. And so we want to make sure that when we hear 
when we talk about being a Christian, what we're saying is we've put our faith and our trust in the one true God who sent his son Jesus to, like Lincoln said, live the perfect life we could not live and then choose to die a death that we deserved on the cross to be payment for our sins and allow us a way back into relationship with God. And that when he rose from the dead, an absolute miracle beyond full comprehension, if we're being honest, sometimes I'm like, wait, so what happened? Yeah. And I believe this. (laughs) Yes. I believe this with everything that's in me. And it is the reason I can have hope because I could not do any of it on my own. I cannot stop sinning for five minutes. It's true, Julie. And, you know, we talked about Adam and Eve in the first uh, apple con- terms and conditions. <laughs> that That's what happened back mm-hmm. then is the sin that they did made it all for all of us. There was a division between us and God. And what you just said is the way we reunite with a God who loves us dearly, no matter where we are in life. Right. And so I feel like we want to make sure we clearly, you know, all are on the same page with what it looks like to say, I am a Christian, what we believe it is required. And and the, the best news about it is, is you don't have to do anything. It's what Jesus did. It's accepting what he did and then choosing to follow him. And come on, we've said that a few times. What the heck do we mean when we say I'm following Jesus? What does my life look like most of the time or what am I striving (laughs) for? Because as Lincoln prayed, I can't do it faithfully, perfectly. It's true. And I think our starting place with the relationship with Christ is where we are supposed to live Mm -hmm. because he, by his act and our acceptance has forgiven us of everything that we ever did, which we don't even know a lot of things that we did that are Mm -hmm. contrary to his principles in his word but everything he forgave us and that's how we should live is a life of forgiveness which last episode Tracy talked about forgiveness in an absolutely horrific place Mm -hmm. so we know it doesn't come easy but it is part of who we want to be as we move forward I think a big tenant of a faith relationship is trust And I'll just be honest and say, I struggle with this one. I find myself struggling with it all the time. And I'm like, wait, but if I trust Jesus for my ultimate salvation and eternity, why can't I trust him with, you know, the paycheck or that my kids will turn out okay, or that I'll make it to work on time, whatever little thing that I continue to kind of worry and obsess over. But trust is it's kind of our act toward a God who has continued to prove himself over and over and over again with his faithfulness. Well, and I know you've had your own experience, Julie, but a lot of people don't know how to trust because they're the people that were supposed to love them were not trustworthy. Mm, And so it's hard to trust a relationship with God when we've been let down so many times. Mm. And the thing we have to, constantly go back to is he's not that person right he doesn't exist that way his promises are his promises what he says he will do he loves you unconditionally and that's not going to change and you have to learn learn to trust that when no one's ever proven that to you before and I do think there is hope in the fact that 
you're not going to do that perfectly and it's okay. And, and he invites you to be honest when you're struggling to trust or when you're angry, like you mentioned, um, he invites all of those feelings and, and a, a rich relationship with God is one where you are honest about those things. I know for me, when I'm struggling for whatever reason in whatever season, part of getting past those times is really kind of owning. This is how I feel. This is where I'm scared. A lot of times it's fear for me. Um, This is what I'm trying to control. And I need to turn back over and recognize that I'm not in control of any of it. And that's actually a really, really good thing. And that allows me to kind of step back into a more peaceful, hopeful experience. You know, when I think about that and how God is trustworthy and he does bring hope, I look back over my life and I can say, he loved me here. He loved me when I was partying on Saturday and going to a Christian event on Sunday. He loved me when I felt hopeless. He loved me when I rebelled and went my own way. He never quit loving me. Mm-hmm. And looking back at that, it's like I, I want to be that way toward other people. I want to love them, not judge them, not have attitudes toward them, not have preconceived notions about them, but to purely love them like he loves me. Now, I'm not there, not even close, probably won't ever get there, but boy, I'd love to, I'd love to love as he does. I know just a few minutes ago you mentioned that we're not to judge. And and I don't know if anyone else had a moment of conviction there because I know that that's something I can still be prone to. Um, And I recognize that I deserve judgment from my peers and from God on a regular basis for a plethora of reasons. Um, But I'm thinking about how, as a Christ follower, I am not called to judge. I mean, there's scriptures that talk about, you know, within the faith, we're supposed to kind of hold each other accountable, but I don't think that's what we're really talking about here. No, we're talking about what it looks like to invite people into a relationship with God by being an example, by being the kind of person that shows God's love, which is not, you know, coming in the form of judgment. And, and I think we want to remember that there was a time where we seemed unlovable, where we were caught in such a place where we wondered if God could truly love us and, and choosing to not be a judger keeps in mind that we don't know who God is about to completely redeem and change and set free of things, who he's going to choose to forgive the unthinkable, because there are certainly unthinkable things that I have done or thought or, you know, (laughs) in the secret of places. Right. And so, part of embracing this faith is letting God be God, even in those moments and, and rejoicing when God choose to save that person who we may honestly in our humanness struggle to believe could ever turn to God. So true. And I think we need to recognize he pursues us, Julie, which, you know, we've talked about relationships between men and women and women want to be pursued Mm -hmm by someone who is worthy of being part of their lives. But God takes it to a whole new level of anything we could possibly think or hope for mm-hmm. because he, he pursues us, he comes after us, he never gives up on us, even when we give up on ourselves. He is there no matter whether you 
have met him and walked away from him, whether mm -hmm. you don't know him yet, whether you don't know how you feel about a relationship with him, it doesn't matter. He's there for you. He wants to have that relationship with you. And you can walk away and come back. There are people all through the Bible, and we've done it ourselves. For sure. And he will always be there to welcome you with open arms. I love that you said he will always be there and welcome us with open arms. I think another picture, and maybe this is kind of how we ended, is not only does he pursue us, and welcome us and bring us close, but then he keeps us close. No matter if we find ourselves in a season where we're like trying to get out, <laughs> you know, like you're holding a toddler who's yeah. tantruming and who's we're trying to like get away. Uh -huh. Yeah. I think sometimes we are like that and uh -huh. God's not scared of that. And so if you're listening and you're in a season where, you know, you know in your heart of hearts that you belong to God and you want to follow him, but you're just, you're in a stubborn season or you're in a hopeless season or you're in a hurting season or you've, you're grieving. I, I don't know where you might be. I just want to encourage you that God is keeping you and he hasn't moved and he's okay with the fact that you are, you're struggling right now. He sees that and he hasn't changed. I think that we can take great comfort in the fact that God hasn't changed and he is still working even when things might seem hopeless or hard or you're in the middle of a hard season where you have no idea what could be possibly coming next that could be good. Uh, we would just encourage you to stay close, to relax into whatever you might be facing right now, trusting that there will be there will be peace there will be resolution, whether that's here and now in this life, or if it's, he's going to, you know, bring you into eternity and all will be well. You know, when we decided to do this episode, it wasn't to paint a picture of our perfection because quite obviously we are not that and will not be I literally that. can't even paint. <laughs> <laughs> We're being honest. <laughs> Julie's not an artist, so that no. would be a stretch anyway. <laughs> um, but we don't want you to think that because we don't think that about ourselves. Mm -hmm. But what we do know is we are loved. We are loved by a God who not only loves us, but he loves you too. So mm -hmm. no matter where you are, whether you're beginning your faith, whether your faith's been battered or whether you're trying to build it, it doesn't matter. God's there for you. All you have to do is ask. Mm -hmm. Ask him to be part of your life. All right, Julie, this week, I think I would love for you to read the Bible verse. Have Ooh, it. Ooh, that's fun. Okay, this is from Romans, and it's Romans 8, 38 and 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Okay, if I was Julie right now, I'd say boom or mic drop, right? <laughs> but I'm not, so I won't. <laughs> but it is so true. So we're, we're thrilled to share our faith journey with you this week. In the show notes, we'll put some links to some other episodes where we have talked a little bit more about our faith and also links to some of our favorite anchor articles at our Grit and Grace Life. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.